This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And good morning, good afternoon, wherever the case may be. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, a live call-in show. The key words, call in. A uh, number of ways you can get a hold of me. One is the easy way, toll-free 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Even better, you can log on to Pet Life Radio's website at PetLifeRadio.com. You click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and there will be a Google Hangouts link. That's really cool. You can link right in. Join us here live. Sit in front of your camera, in front of your phone. We can see you. You can see us. And we can even see your pets. So um, if you have any questions, anything you want to ask, anything that's bugging you about your pets, about your pet's health, etc., we will be here to help. And it doesn't cost you a dime. What could be better? Go to your vet and take up time, ask them questions, and see if you can walk out of there for free. So uh, here's a great way you can get the, uh, the care, the questions answered, and it doesn't cost you anything. Anyway, so as many of you know who listen, I like to uh, peruse the American Vet Med Association, kind of let you know what's, kinda, what's making news in our veterinary world, some information, some great tips. If you, uh, By the way, if you have a question, you want to chime in, I'll be happy to not go through AVMA Spark Brief. Once again, 877-385-8882, or just join us live on Google Hangouts through Pet Life Radio and Ask the Vest with Dr. Jeff. So now here's one. You know, we have had scares over the years of the canine influenza virus, and there was H3N8, and now lately is H3N2. And this one seems to be something more to reckon with. As a matter of fact, there have been, I'm just going to read a list of the states since the University of Florida had identified a cluster of these cases and identified the virus to be H3N2, a new version, a new variety of the influenza virus. And on this one, seriously, it's a problem. Um, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina. In fact, North Carolina has already had two deaths. South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas, and Illinois. So it is out there and it is spreading. So don't think that you are immune. Don't think your pets are immune to it. As I think I mentioned a couple of weeks back, that even though we have not had many cases or at least reported cases that I know of in California, many of the daycare facilities and, and boarding facilities are requiring it as they are, of course, rabies and bordetella because they don't want to be the first to have a problem where some, someone's pet gets sick because of a pet that they were housing and didn't insist on vaccination. So I have been vaccinating many of my patients that regularly frequent these places, these daycare facilities and these boarding facilities because, or else they won't be, they won't be let in. So something, again, it's not something to just, well, it never happened to my dog. It's not going to happen. Or I haven't heard any of cases. You never know. And one of the points that was, I think I made last week, maybe the week before, that one of the um, veterinarians that does infectious disease said that the more complacent we continue to be, the more likely that it will be a problem. Why? Because if our pets are vaccinated and it does come, the influenza virus does come to your, your city and your pets are protected, they will not get sick and they will not be able to spread it. But if everybody sits back and says, well, I'm going to wait until I, I hear whether there's a real problem, those are the ones, that's the time that we might get hit with the, uh, the uh, virus. So I would be, you know, if, if you're going to air, not an expensive vaccine, you, know, you might be extra cautious if 
especially if you have a dog that frequents these facilities, these locations, these parks, where there are a lot of other dogs. If you have a typical backyard dog and he's just in your yard, you, you take him for a walk in your neighborhood, you're probably okay. But if they go to these daycare facilities, dog parks on a regular basis, it might be something to consider. One thing, there was a study that found many, many similarities to canine mammary cancer, which is somewhat prevalent, especially in dogs that are not spayed. Male dogs, you want to get them at least, at least before their second heat. If you have a large breed, you have there's some reason you want to worry about the urinary incontinence, you want to let them have the first heat, okay, that's fine. But unless you have a well-championed breeding dog and you're just yours is just a pet like mine are and most of the patients I take care of, then you want to get them fixed before their second heat. The risk reduction of mammary cancer as an older dog drops dramatically if she has a second heat. So it's a pretty high risk reduction if you spay them early. But I know there's some other issues and I'm, I'm on board if you want to let them have one heat, but I wouldn't let them have a second. But they found a lot of similarities to mammary, canine mammary cancer and human breast cancer. And the good news is that, and this is the same thing with, with leukemia virus and FIV, feline infectious you know, immunodeficiency virus and the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, that when we have diseases that are so similar in scope and we have two sets of amazing teams working on prevention, vaccine, et cetera, we only help each other. And that's what we're hoping as well when the studies being done on the mammary cancers or the breast cancers. But they found something very interesting is that normal, healthy cells surrounding the young growing tumor, believe it or not, help feed the tumor. So it gives them one clue of things that they have to stop. And they found that in both cases that if they can remove the healthy cells around the tumor, the tumor won't grow or won't grow as fast. So there's got to be some interaction where inadvertently healthy cells are supporting our feeding the cancer. That's a problem. This was something great. Check this out. In Winnipeg, Canada, the euthanasias from shelters and facilities and pounds dropped from, catch this numbers, in 2008, 359 dogs. In 2016, 28 dogs. Wow. But what do they attribute it to? They attribute it to licensing. They had a whole social media campaign on responsible pet ownership, including licensing, vaccine, and microchipping. And the number of animals, because of licensing and identification, that are now be able to reunite with their families has been the difference. So from 359 to 28, that is huge. So Let's learn from Winnipeg, Canada. I applaud them for doing this study, but get your pets microchipped, identified, and license them because that little license tag, that is an ID tag. There is only one number that's given to every dog, and it's the only number that's used is that one for that dog. So they're all unique numbers. So if they find an animal that is licensed, is microchipped, and or one or the other, preferably both, and there's no other identification, they can still identify the dog and reunite that dog with the family. So this is cool. I talked about this. I'm doing a lot of work with some of the food companies. And of course, we, we talk about obesity, good nutrition. And when we get to the subject of cats, we're always wondering, what? Come on. You're not going to... I used to say, I don't see many cats walking in the neighborhood on a harness, right? Taking, oh, let's go for a walk. When I go to the park, I don't see many cats chasing tennis balls and frisbees. So how are we going to enhance and get our cats to exercise? So 
One of the things I talk about, of course, is whatever it is, you know, cats love to hunt. They love to chase things. So you get that laser light on the wall. You can get, you know, a feather on a string. You can get these wind-up toys that look like little rodents, like a little mouse. Cats love to chase movable targets. They even like the tracker. It's a ball and a track, and when they bat it, it keeps going around and around and around, and they keep batting it because it's going, it's moving. So they have so much fun. I had a cat once. All we had to do to get him to move around was wad up a piece of tinfoil into a ball. We used to roll it on the floor, and he used to chase it. I think he could be a master soccer player. It was unbelievable. So um, anyway, this woman, her name is Laura Moss. She authored a, a book, or a, it's called Adventure Cats. And she believes that if you take a cat, a young cat, like a kitten, and you put a harness on it and you put a leash on it and you start taking it outside when they're young, they learn to enjoy and to adapt. And then you have a cat as it gets older that you can take for walks. And it's one great way to keep them in shape. It's a great way to bond with your cats. So I thought that was pretty cute. So it's Adventure Cats. And um, Laura, if you can look it up, Laura Moss. And basically you're training your young cats to be able to deal with uh, the harness and being outside for walks. This is also not surprising to me, but something, a statistic from one of the big insurance companies that besides the fact that owners spent over $81 million on their dogs and cats last year. But what was interesting is this, that the number one money spent category in dogs, no surprise to any of us who have them, skin allergies, $233 per dog on average, spent on skin allergies. And for a cat, now I knew this was really bad, but until I started working with the, the Iams company and we're talking about, they, have, they launched a new food called Iams Oral Care for cats. It's a new cat food and it's really cool. And the reason why they jumped at that as a, an important food to introduce into the market, you know, there are dog foods out there that are specific for oral care, but this is the first of its kind for cats. And the way the kibbles are shaped they can't swallow them whole. It encourages chewing. And in the course of chewing, it takes care of the oral flora. It helps abrade the surface of the tooth. It helps prevent the plaque from accumulating and ultimately forming into calculus or tartar. And uh, anyway, cats number one, ready for this? $376 per cat on average spent on oral care. So that's one year. So you have to know that it is a huge problem. Cats it's very difficult, even for me, to brush cat's teeth. So I would highly advise all of you out there to make sure to take your cats into your veterinarian on a regular basis, have the teeth checked, have the gums checked. They have a lot of oral problems. Think about the new IMS Oral Care Cat Formula and uh, or something like it. I've, uh, to date, I know of no others, but it's really, really cool. I actually do feed it to two of my older cats, and they really, really like it. And it's great because you can watch them. They are crunching on these kibbles that are harder. And they have, the, as I said, a funky shape. So, you know, if you've ever seen a cat vomit, hairball vomiting, right? And what comes up when you feed those cat foods, dry cat food with the little pellets, they all come up just like they went down. Because guess what? Cats don't usually chew. Dogs don't usually chew. So you need something to really get them to chew. And uh, that'll help these problems. $376. That's huge. So something you want to take care of. One more before our break. And that is that this I found great. Because we all know that dogs and cats do this. Anyone who's grown up in a household, horses do this. But birds, ravens, they did the study that they can recognize who's good to them and who's not. So they put these ravens through a exercises, training exercises, where they were taught to give up a reward 
in lieu of a better reward. And of course, they know who's giving the rewards. So what they would do is they would take a person and give, instead of exchanging for a better reward, they would exchange for a lesser reward. These birds ended up learning who does not give a better deal and they start snubbing them and they won't go back to them. It's like they dislike them. You took a good thing away from me and you gave me something less? What the heck with you? And not only that, they remembered them for over a month. So that is really funny. So uh, anyway, when we come back, don't go away. We'll be right back here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets and uh, after these words from our sponsor. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Ew, get the stinky dog away from me. Bad breath and bad gas. PD stopped eating. All his hair fell out. Itching, licking, missing fur. At least $5,000 in vet bill. Creams, antibiotics, sprays. No results. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. If you want the dog to be healthy, you got to feed it something healthy. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Dynavite is nutrition. The shedding is stopped and the itching is stopped. Her coat is not soft, it's silky, it's healthy and shiny and glossy. She's got life, she's got energy. Tons of energy, no more bad smells. Dynavite's the bomb. <gasps> Dynavite is the best thing that's ever happened to my dogs, you know, besides me, of course. <laughs> 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynavite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E oh. dot com. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Berber here on Pet Life Radio. And so we wanted to um, finish up some of the Avon Base Park. Then I want to talk to you some about some uh, very, very serious medical terminology. Oh, that's a joke. Um, okay. So uh, first of all, this is a really cool story. Brutus, a dog that lost all four of his paws to frostbite, 
is now walking again, thanks to Colorado State University and OrthoPets, who fit him with these prosthetic paws, these prosthetic feet, and he is walking and doing very, very well. That is really, really cool. I mean, I, you know, the sky's the limit at what we're going to be able to see and what we do well, with our uh, with dogs, but that is really cool. OrthoPets, check them out, and CSU, Colorado State University, one of the top vet schools in the nation. So anyway, what else? I did something this week that is uh, Inside Edition, and I got a call. I was doing a, a radio media tour, and um, and uh, it was for uh, one of the food companies. And so I was up at 5 a.m., and I knew this was planned. All of a sudden, I get a call. This was Thursday morning. I get a call Wednesday afternoon that Inside Edition wants to come and talk to me, and they want to talk to me about squatting. And I go, about what? Squatting. I, this is a craze. If you go on Instagram, if you go YouTube, there are these people that are picking up their dogs, these big, heavy dogs, either cradling them or putting them on their shoulders, and they are doing squats, exercising. That's kind of weird, right? So they wanted to know what I thought. So she sends me a, um, a couple of links. So I'm watching the squatting, and uh, it is weird, but they wanted to see you know, what I thought about it. So I had to come to my office with the cameras and we uh, we did a segment they're not actually on thursday and on the weekend edition so i got a lot of play out of it and my basic point is and i did i took one of our rescue dogs that we worked with some rescue groups the first time this dog has probably ever been picked up let alone thrown on my shoulders around my neck and squatted but as i said the bottom line is this if you do it i recommend first you cradle the dog you pick him up sort of behind his butt and, and in front of his shoulders and hold him that way close to you and see how he responds if he's not fighting you too much, then that's great. So then the next step would be to then, if you can, put him over your shoulders and see how he does. Does he tolerate it really well or not? So I thought that was kind of crazy. And uh, do it. If your dog hates it, don't force it. And be careful. You be careful. If you have a 100-pound dog, I don't want you falling backwards. And if you're not strong enough to actually hold, I don't want you dropping the dog. Or else he, too, may need some prosthetic devices. So uh, be really careful. One thing that I wanted to uh, talk about is that we, and I see this a lot, and I wanted to sort of help you all because many times you may wake up in the morning and have a headache, have a little stomach ache, something a little off. And how many of you with that feeling of being a little off run to the doctor? Yeah, most of the time you're going to think back, is this maybe a little food boy? Maybe I ate something. You might take an aspirin. You might take an Advil. But, you know, something is a little off, but you don't panic. Well, many cases that are brought to me with a very, very technical term of diagnosis, and we call it ADR. Now, a human doctor can't get away with this, but an MD, but a veterinarian can get away with this. And often I'll write down ADR. What is ADR? ADR, and you got to remember where veterinary medicine started and years and years and years and years ago, mostly we were talking about large animals and farms and, and herds. And anyway, ADRs ain't doing right. And, you know, come on, doc, you know, I just, I don't know what's going on here. Just ain't doing right. So we have adopted ADR as a very technical medical term uh, like BAR. BAR we use for bright, alert, and responsive. QAR is quiet, but alert and responsive. Uh, And then all the way down the line, you know, different ways that we're writing our notes. So often we'll do just an ADR, ain't doing right. ADRs mean there's nothing specific. You can't find anything when we do our exam. The owner doesn't know. All the owner can tell me is, this dog was just, or cat or whatever, it's just not him or herself. Something is going on. And when it comes to ADRs, they're sometimes the most difficult things to determine, to diagnose, because you don't even know where to start. Everything looks fine. So you, you start becoming very hesitant to even take an x-ray, 
to what are we going to do? Because it just doesn't seem right. And we're, you do a blood test. You have a dog who's who's a happy puppy yesterday. He's three years old, right? And everything is fine. All of a sudden today, he just didn't want to eat breakfast. He's a little off. Yeah, you know. So this is where when you have these cases where you have to look at the big picture. I always feel like, you know, this diagnostic medicine is the area where many more veterinarians should become experts at. And that is get the blinders off and start looking at the big picture. Start getting a history. You know, all of a sudden you get some of these ADRs, that scenario I just gave you. And when you're talking to the owner, oh, well, the dog went to a doggy daycare the day before or went to a friend's house or you took it to the dog park and it got out of your sight for a little bit. Well, I'm not that panicked unless the dog is puking its guts out, can barely lift its head. But if it's just ADR, just something, something is off. It's not nothing I can pinpoint. I'm just going to give it a day or so. I'll try to get a history, good palpation. If I don't feel anything, if I don't see anything, obviously, if the color's good, right? If there's no obvious sources of pain or discomfort and nothing in the history really worried me that much. Like, no, no, the dog was licking the stuff dripping out of my car's radiator. Well, yeah, we got a problem. So don't panic when things are just, you say to yourself, if it's something that happened to you where you just feel a little bit off, nothing obvious, no serious clinical signs, it's okay to wait a day. It's okay to sit back and think, what did we do yesterday or earlier this morning that was different than normal routine? Were there other people in the house? Did they go to a different place? Did they go to a daycare? Did they go to a you know, dog park? Is it likely or possible, possible that he picked up something outside? You know, Remember, dogs will eat the craziest things. I just had a client call me and they have this little plastic toy. No taste to it even. And this dog, not even a puppy puppy, ate the darn thing. Not only did the dog eat it, but the owner thinks that the dog swallowed it whole. So that's kind of crazy, crazy stuff. So um, as a precaution, when I go through a statistic from the pet insurance companies that the $81 million spent, I feel if it's gonna, if you're going to spend the money, then make it money well spent and spend it when you need to. Don't spend it when you don't have to and don't panic. I'm certainly more conservative. I always shoot for the obvious stuff first. And I'm not worried about doing extra tests and don't let your veterinarian just go crazy to identify something that doesn't seem to be that serious. And if they are, what would give us the most information right now? Well, let's do that test first. Because, you know, x-rays, so many doctors jump to x-rays. There's a lot you can do and feel in a dog or a cat, especially a cat, where you don't really need the x-ray. A good palpation will give you a lot of answers. And it may not tell you what it is, but it will tell you what it's not. And with a cat, usually unless they're obese, you can feel both kidneys, you can feel the stomach, you can feel intestines, you can feel, you know, the bladder, you can, and you can also not feel a large mass or a spot where the cat just will not tolerate it. So take the conservative approach. Remember, ADR ain't doing right. And there are ADRs that you need to be a little concerned about and ADRs that you don't have to be that concerned about. Anyway, thanks for joining me here. I know the second half of the show, our sound may have been off having some mic issues. But uh, anyway, it was great to be here with you. Once again, thanks for our sponsors. Brubecto, save this life, more than a cone. And um, if you have any questions, anything you want to talk about, please either call us during the show, 877-385-8882, or send me an email. Send me an email to drjeff, that's drjeff at petliferadio.com. And I will be able to talk about whatever it is that you'd like to talk about. If you're embarrassed to join us here on live, then uh, we can talk about it next week on the show. Have a wonderful, safe week, everybody. And uh, we'll be here next week. Let's Talk Pets. 
every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.